We've been talking about Mary on Sunday morning for the last four weeks. We've been talking about how we should react to the birth of Christ. And I've really been talking to people who have decided to follow Jesus. They have become believers and said, yes, I want to give the rest of my life to Jesus Christ and I want to follow him. And I receive his payment for my sins on the cross. And I receive the eternal life he provided for me through the resurrection from the grave. And I lived the the first part of my life, I lived it for myself, but no more. I want to follow Jesus. Now, if you're here today and you haven't made that decision, we hope you'll make that decision today. I'm telling you, if you do, it'll be the best Christmas you ever had. I promise you. I promise you it'll only get better from there as you connect with uh, a church somewhere, you connect with other people of God. But I want to talk to you just a little bit about what we've said about Mary. We went to the book of Luke chapter 1, and we read verses 46 through 55. And we're not going to do that today, but you can write that down if you're taking notes. And look at that when you get home. It's Mary's song of praise. It's her song of worship. When she found out that she was going to be the mother of the Messiah, she sang a song of praise to God. And uh, my whole intentions when I started this sermon series called Christmas Unplugged, as we talked about how to unplug from the secular part of Christmas, which I love that part too, but I especially love, of course, more the spiritual side of Christmas, and that is the birth of Jesus and all that he has done for us. So we're talking about how to unplug from the secular and plug into the spiritual side of Christmas. And so uh, we talked about you know, following God and being what God wants us to be and what does he want us to do during Christmas? How does he want us to respond to him? And we looked at Mary's words and we said, well, not only Mary, but um, Elizabeth and we studied Zacharias and we studied Simeon and Anna. We looked at how the angels reacted. We looked at how the wise men reacted. We looked at how the shepherds reacted and all of them have the same reaction to the birth of Jesus. And what was it, Bridge? Worship. It was worship. And then we looked at Mary's worship, and we looked at the quality of it. And we said, what are the qualities of Mary's worship? So we dug down deep, and we found out that Mary's worship was deep within. It came from deep within her. It was not superficial. It wasn't just worship on the outside. It came from deep within her. As we looked at the words when she said, it came from my soul. It came from my spirit. And then we found out that her worship was passionate. It was intense, and Mary worshiped. She said, I exalt the Lord, and we found out about that word megaluno, and, the, and we get our word mega from that, and it means extra large. Mary's worship was extra large. Mary's praise was extra large, extra loud. She worshiped her God that way. And then we found out last Sunday, this past Sunday, that it was a continual worship. It wasn't a one-time event. It wasn't one-time worship. This was a lifestyle Mary had. It was a continual worship. And then we discovered that her worship was humble. It was a very, very humble worship. And we talked about how Mary um, just focused on God, and it was not about her, but it was about her simply obeying him. And here's what we want to talk about today, and I'm only going to talk to you for just a few minutes I want to talk to you about not only the quality of Mary's worship, but I want you to listen. The person. 
the person of her worship. The Bible says, look at it in Luke 1, 46 and 47. She said, my soul, my soul does exalt the Lord. There it is. My soul exalts who? The Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. So the object of worship for Mary, listen, listen, it's God. The object of her worship is God. The person of her worship is God. All the glory goes to God. All the honor from Mary's heart goes to God alone. All the praise from Mary goes to him alone. Have you ever thought about the word worship? It comes from two words, worth-ship. In other words, he is worth our worship. He's worth it. Do y'all remember in the Bible when another Mary, a different Mary, she took this bottle of ointment, do you remember? And she broke it and poured the ointment all over Jesus. And that bottle of ointment was worth almost a whole year's wages. And she was mocked and she was criticized and she was ridiculed, not by people outside the church, but people inside the church. Imagine that. And she was criticized for giving all of it to Jesus. But here's what Mary said. This is a different one. She said, he was worth the whole bottle. If Mary had lived in the South, she would have said something like this. If I had a 50-gallon barrel of that stuff, I'd have poured it all over him. Because he's worthy. He's worthy of my worship. He's worthy of my praise. Worship, you see, is very centralized. Worship is very simple. Worship is very focused. Our worship is to be one-dimensional. Our worship is to be to the God of the Bible. Listen to what it says in Luke 4 and 8. In Luke 4 and 8, Jesus said this. These are the words of Christ himself. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's what Jesus said. 1 Timothy 1.17, listen to this. To the king eternal, immortal, and visible, the only God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's what I want to say to you today. God is the center. God is the circumference of worship. All of our worship is to be directed toward God, and especially at Christmas as we remember the greatest gift ever given. But then I want you to notice one more little thing. I want you to notice that Mary didn't say, I worship my Lord. She said, I worship him as my Savior. I worship him as my Savior. That was in verse 47. Mary gets even more specific. Not only do I worship the Lord, but I worship him in a specific way. I worship him as my Savior. Now, I want to say something to you out of my heart. I want to give you a little personal testimony today. As I was getting ready for this and what I would share with you at this Christmas Eve service, I got to thinking about it. You know, if he had not saved me, I don't really know that I could get into worship. If he had not rescued me, I don't know that I could really get into praising him. I mean, I know he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, and that amazes me. I don't even understand that. There's no power greater than the power of God. He's omnipotent. 
And, and that's awesome. And when I'm praising him, and I, I usually sit over here every Sunday, and when I'm worshiping him, and when I worship him privately, and when you see me worshiping him, I think about the omnipotence, the all-powerfulness of God. And I think about the omniscience of God. And that is that God knows all things. There's nothing God does not know. And I think about that, and that makes me want to worship him. And then I think about uh, not only that, but his omnipresence. That means God is everywhere all the time. There is nowhere God is not. He's everywhere all the time. And then I think about the immutability of God. And that means that God never changes. And I am just swept up in all of these amazing attributes of the incredible, amazing God, the God of the bridge, the God we serve. But i got to tell you something. The thing that makes worship burst out of me is that he was my rescuer. He was my savior. I needed to be rescued. I needed to be saved. And so do you. So do you. You need to be rescued. You need to be saved. And I say to you today, He is the only one who can rescue you. He is the only one who can save you. If He were not our Savior... None of us would be worshiping him. We would be hiding in fear from him, wouldn't we? Worship, listen, all of it, every bit of it, no matter what other attribute God possesses, no matter what other dimension of his person and work you talk about, all of worship is basically set loose in us in the great reality that we are saved from our sins and from the judgment of our sins. He rescued us from that when he died on the cross, when he rose from the dead. Listen to what the Bible says. In the book of Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, it says, the Son of Man has come for this reason, to seek and to save that which is lost. The angel said to Mary in Matthew 1 and I love the Amplified Bible. And if you don't have an Amplified Bible, add it to your library. The Amplified Bible says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Listen to this. The Greek form of the Hebrew Joshua. Did you know the Old Testament name Joshua and the New Testament name Jesus are the same? And you know what they both mean? Savior. Savior. Come to rescue. Come to save. And then she goes on, and then uh, in Matthew one twenty one, the angel goes on talking to Mary, for he, Jesus, will save his people. That's what our songs were about today. He will save his people from their sins. That means that he will prevent them from falling. He will prevent them from failing. He will prevent them from missing the true end and scope of life, which is God. And if it weren't for the fact that he was our Savior today, Nothing else about him would mean very much to us. I mean, you could think about all those wonderful things I just said, those big words, those big theological words, omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence, um, immutability. All of those things are wonderful. They're great words. They're great theological words. They're great truths about God. They are great attributes of God. But listen, let me ask you something. What would any of that mean to you if he had not saved you? If he had not rescued you? What if you knew all those awesome things about God, 
but you knew that you were bound for an eternity without him. No, we don't have to worry about that because not only is he all of those things, he is God our Savior. He is referred to as God our Savior throughout the Bible, but especially in Timothy and Titus. The God of the bridge is a saving God. He is a saving God. God the Father sent his son Jesus into the world to save us from our sins. Jesus was born in Bethlehem to provide deliverance from our sins. So tonight on this Christmas Eve, the object of our worship is God who is our Savior. You know the thing I love about God? As I study other religions of the world, I see them cry out and beg their God to help them, beg their God to save them, and beg their God to rescue them. And I stand off and look at them and go, you know what? I don't have to beg my God to rescue me. I don't have to beg my God to save me. You know what I found out about God? It's his nature to save us. It is, his, it is his way, it is his desire to save us. It is his will to save us. Listen, he is the one who seeks us that we might be saved. Don't you remember when Adam and Eve messed up in the Garden of Eden? It was God who sought them out. Adam and Eve were trying to what? They were trying to hide. God sought them out. And I remember what he said, Adam... Adam, what did he say? Where are you? He sought Adam. And listen, he has been seeking lost man ever since then. And he is in this house right now by the power of the Holy Spirit seeking those who do not know him. And he wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. The quality of Mary's worship, it was internal. It was intense. It was continual. It was humble. The person of Mary's worship, what was it? The God who saves. The God who saves. Now listen, this is fun. We've had a great time today. I love the music. I love the monologue. I've loved the videos. I've loved it all. But I'm telling you, our intention to bring you here today, every time we gather for church, we don't hide what our intention is. We want to bring you face to face with Jesus. And we want to ask you today where you are with him. What is your relationship with Jesus? And then if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, then we follow it up and we ask you, what are you going to do about that? What are you going to do with Jesus? Do you remember Pilate when Jesus stood in front of Pilate before he was hung on the cross? Pilate said, what am I going to do with this man called Jesus? What am I going to do with him? That's a very important question. Because what you decide to do with Jesus it's what God decides to do with you in eternity. Have you received him as Savior? Would you just bow your head right now, right there where you are, close your eyes? And I know, I know the kids are here, and I know they're getting restless, but I want you to try to focus. I want you to try to concentrate. And I want you to ask yourself this question right there in the quietness of your seat. Do I know God or do I only know about God? I don't want to just know about God because that isn't enough. I want to know Him. And the way we know Him is through Jesus Christ. So what you want to do right now is you want to speak to the Lord Jesus and you want to say, thank you, Jesus, 
for coming into this world. The Bible says he willingly came. Thank you for willingly coming, leaving heaven and coming down here. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross in my place. Thank you for paying for my sins. Thank you, Jesus, that the the grave couldn't hold you, death couldn't hold you, but you rose from the dead. Thank you for your power over death. And Jesus, I need you in my life. I need you, and I know you are seeking for me. And I come to you, Lord. I want to be found by you today. And I'm making myself available to you today, Jesus. Take my life. Take my life, Jesus. I want to follow you from this day on. I want to live the rest of my life for you. I don't know how to do it. I don't have all the answers. But help me, Lord. I want to live my life for you from this day on.